the when the universe is vast and inexplicable and you are weak and insignificant then you know you're playing call of cthulhu this is an actual play of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition featuring adult themes and horror. Listener discretion is advised. Find our published scenarios at starsarewrite.com or contact us for help unleashing your own twisted tales upon an unsuspecting world. And now, settle in, dear listener. Intrigue, high adventure, and cosmic horror await when the stars are right. Hello listeners, this week we're playing the latest in Chaosium's range of solo scenarios, the newly released Alone Against the Static. As usual, we play these in pairs, with one person reading the narration and the other making character choices. This time, Seb is playing, and our keeper slash narrator is our newest cast member, Tyler. Tyler has played with us before, but because of the order of recordings and releases, you won't have heard their voice yet, but you'll get to hear them a lot more soon. As usual, this is a two-episode adventure, and after the game ends in part two, stick around for a chat about how the game went. It's a taste of Beyond the Madness, the behind-the-scenes chit-chat show that we record after every episode, which is normally exclusive to our beloved supporters on Patreon. Also, this adventure is a bit different. The main character is part of a couple, and you actually get to choose which one of them you want to play. Seb plays Alex here, but Hal and I couldn't resist finding out what happens to their partner, Charlie. So, if you're equally curious, or you just want to hang out with us some more, you'll be able to listen to our second playthrough of Alone Against the Static as a Patreon exclusive. Do be warned that a lot of the story events are the same, but our paths diverge, especially in the second half of part 2, and we definitely came to a very different ending. The audio editing here is a bit more light touch than usual, because we're putting our focus into preparing the next chapter of our campaign, Berlin the Wicked City. In the meantime, Please enjoy these Alone Against Adventures. But hello, listeners. I'm not Phaedra. Uh, I am Tyler. This is my first time running something on the Stars Are Right feed. Tonight we are running Alone Against the Static by B, that's B as in Bravo, W. Holland. It is one of their Alone Against series from Chaosium. It is set in the 1990s in South Dakota's Black Hills. For those on a different side of the ponds than I am, you are right smack dab in the middle of the continent of North America. And oof, oof, you're not going to have cell phone signal, so don't even worry about it. I am joined by Seb today, who is playing Alex. Hi, everyone. I am indeed playing Alex. I'm very excited to get started. Um, apparently there's going to be some static, there's going to be some hills, there's going to be some relationship drama, and I'm here for all of those things. Yeah, um, this one has a couple of bits up front. Uh, as printed, there are two characters you can play. They are each either side of a couple. Uh, well, it looks like they were originally written, and if you look at their character art, it implies it is a man and woman. We are playing as a man and a man, so it's going to be Alex, played by Seb, and Charlie as the partner. There is also a log sheet that is part of this for tracking certain things that have happened. I'll be taking care of that in my prerogative as Keeper, and we're going to be running through that if we're all feeling ready. You feeling ready today, Seb? I'm absolutely feeling ready. I'm particularly excited. I, I said this before we started recording. I'm really excited that, that we get to play together because we've not actually had the chance to, to play a, a, camp, a, a scenario together before. No, it's going to be a real fun one. Uh, I am going to say, just in case, I can't remember offhand if the other alone against ones allow it or not, but you are allowed to both spend luck or push the roll to succeed. So mm, Cool. 
as you are playing Alex, you have your character sheet. The very first thing is to roll 3d6 and multiply the result by 5 to determine your starting luck score. Great. I will do that. Yeah. That is a 50. Very oh. average. That's, I mean, not the worst call. Not the worst call to get for you. Uh, with that, listeners, I hope you've got your hot cocoa or other appropriate drink, as we're going to get right into it. Damn it, Charlie growls, struggling to fold an impractically large map over your car's steering wheel and avoid veering off-road into a tree at the same time. Can you just let me hold the map, you ask? No, I can do this just fine, Charlie says, then slams on the brakes to round another tight bend. It is late afternoon on a rural back road deep within the Black Hills of South Dakota. The sun is high, but the air is cold. You've seen nothing but pine trees and two narrow winding lanes for over an hour. Your car's radio is getting weaker. It splutters out a Neil Diamond song laced with static. Do you want to offer to help or try to change the radio station? Sorry, Charlie, I think Neil might be gone. Uh, should we try something different? You reach forward and turn the dial. The speakers vomit static while you scan for a signal. Please, Charlie barks, and he turns the radio off. I can't think with all that noise. You raise your hands defensively. Sorry, you say, but Charlie just ignores you. You stare at them for a few seconds, then sigh and turn to stare out the window. You watch the muddy green blur of passing trees for several minutes. Finally, Charlie says. They jab a finger down at the still-tangled map. It's the next left. You peer ahead and spot a tiny, unpaved road cutting deeper into the forest. Charlie pulls onto it, and the two of you weave through the trees in silence. Make a psychology roll, please. Sure. That is a severe failure. Uh, okay. 86 over 45. Oh yeah, that's not going to help you very much. Charlie is sulking. This vacation is turning out exactly like you thought it would. Charlie always insists on driving, then he gets lost, and then refuses to ask for help. The weekend is shaping up to be a nightmare. Anyways, Charlie says, it's not far now. Charlie drives deeper into the forest. The little road you've been on winds erratically, dipping up and down as it weaves between hills. Above you, thick gray clouds obscure the sunlight. Soon, the sky gets lost on the branches of pine trees, and you can feel the cold seeping in from outside. After a few minutes, a few more turns, and a few miles travel deeper into the forest, the sun sets. Your car's headlights cut into the darkness, revealing the road ahead just a few feet at a time. Eventually, the lights drift over the front of a cabin, reflecting off two windows on either side of a front door, which seem to stare back at you, ominously. The car stops and the headlights shut off. Finally, you sigh and step out onto the gravel driveway. As you walk around to the trunk to help with the suitcases, the cold night air seizes around you like a vice. Are you hungry? Charlie asks, while you try to keep from shivering. Uh, I need you to make a con roll and then decide if you're going to say if you're hungry or not. Sure. That is a failure. That is a 76. Uh, so Alex will say, uh, yeah, I reckon I could eat. Are you? Yeah. Hamburgers? Sounds good. You take a brown grocery bag from the car's trunk, grab your suitcase, and walk to the cabin drawer. Charlie opens it up and steps inside. You follow, closing the door behind you to keep the chill out. The cabin isn't very big. It's just one central room with a double bed, a chest of drawers, a corner set up to serve as a kitchen. There's no microwave. Both the oven and the stove use gas. You see two doors. One goes to the rear of the cabin, while another leads to a small bathroom. You just know it's going to be freezing in there. On the wall opposite the bed is a TV and VCR unit sitting on top of a cupboard. The whole cabin is lit by muted yellow bulbs. It's not dark, but it's not quite light either. I'll be in the john, Charlie says, then steps inside the small bathroom and shuts the door. You're left alone. You put your suitcase on the bed, take out a few essentials, and then move to the kitchen and unpack the groceries. There's a gas fridge and icebox that, judging by the steady and not at all soft hum emanating from it, was installed sometime in the 1970s. So while Charlie's in the bathroom, do you want to get started on dinner, or do you want to wait for him? I think I'll get started on dinner. I 
think um, Alex starts to, to sort of hum to himself as he begins chopping or unpacking or prepping in whatever way one might prep, whatever it is we're eating. Hamburgers, I guess, having, uh, having just decided that. You unpack the ingredients for the hamburgers. There's matches in a drawer, and you hold a lit one to the stove's gas burner and turn the dial. Nothing happens. Damn thing. You ignore the front left burner and use the front right instead. It lights up super quick. You've got patties frying and are chopping tomatoes when you hear the toilet flush. Charlie emerges from the bathroom soon after, sighing contentedly. Woof. Sorry, I've been holding on to that one since we left Pierre. How charming, you mutter. Charlie comes up behind you and wraps their arms around your waist. You feel their breath on your neck and the brush of a kiss against your cheek. I love you, Charlie whispers. You can respond lovingly or change the subject. Love you too, Charlie. You've got to stop with the poop jokes. It's far too much information, especially when I'm cooking. <laughs> you and Charlie, you turn your head towards Charlie and the two of you share a quick kiss. And then you, you shove him off. Now scoot, I need to finish dinner. Charlie flops onto the bed. I'm so glad we're here. Me too, you say. I think it'll be really good for us, you know? Yeah, you say. Like Dr. O'Brien told us, Charlie says, staring at the cabin's warped reflection in the mirror black TV screen. Getting away from everything to just focus on us to be great. I think it could be really healing. Did you want to talk about plans for tomorrow or to reassure him? Yeah, I, I think it could be good. But um, what are we actually going to do while we're out here? What's the plan? Do you want to maybe go for a walk or uh, explore around the area or just chill here? I mean, do you still want to go for a hike tomorrow? Yeah, I'm up for going for a hike. Yeah, I mean, what else are we going to do, right? <laughs> uh, Charlie's laughter hangs awkwardly in the air for a moment and then he coughs. It is, it is beautiful here, though, really. Yeah, you say. I, I can't wait to see the sunrise. After a few minutes, you serve up the burgers. Dinner passes in near total silence. What, what about tonight, though? Charlie asks. You swallow the last mouthful of food. What about it? It's been a long day. How would we catch a flick? Charlie gestures at the TV. Are you feeling a movie, Alex? I'm up for a movie. If we can get this TV to work. Charlie grins, takes the dishes, and heads over to the sink to clean them. You walk over the TV unit. It's a relatively cheap model from the late 80s, sitting on top of a dusty VCR. You switch both on and open a cabinet beneath them, wondering what videos Charlie's brother and his wife left behind. He sure likes scary movies, you say, looking over the titles. Fifteen tapes, and you're pretty sure the covers cover every major slasher film of the last decade. None of these look good. There's not a single comedy, Charlie asks from the kitchen. Make a spot hidden roll. Ooh. Spot hidden to find a comedy amongst these slasher horror movies. That is an 89 over 35. Alex has so far failed every roll, and I'm here for it. I was just going to say, I'm looking over and I'm like, that's a lot of reds. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, s s sorry, Charlie. Um, looks like it slashes all the way down, I'm afraid. Charlie walks over and joins you. Maybe we should have stopped by a blockbuster on the way. You're telling me. These covers all look cheap. Think they're bootlegged? Probably. Charlie shrugs. I could have sworn he said it'd be more than just horror. He said they watched something that sounded like a chick flick last time they came up. Maybe it's still in the VCR, you say. Charlie leans in and press leans over and presses the eject button on the machine. There's a whirring of mechanical internals, then the unit spits out a tape. Aha, Charlie says. Is it blank? you ask. Nothing's written on it, but they're all bootlegs, right? You shrug. Whatever. Rewind it won't take our chances. It can't be worse than any of these. Watch the movie or get ready for bed first. Let's let's put our let's put our PJs on, and then uh, we can watch the movie while we're tucked up in bed. You grab your bag with one hand and head for the bathroom. Be right back, you say, and slip inside. It's even colder in the bathroom. You set the bag on the sink and blink at your reflection, staring at you from a nearby mirror. The door creaks open just a little. You sigh and push it closed again, but it doesn't take. You look closer and see a little latch around head height. The door obviously can't hold itself shut unless it's locked. You roll your eyes, ignore the door, and brush your teeth. A few minutes later, you return to the main room and change while Charlie waits patiently on the bed. The movie's all set up, paused at the beginning. You climb up onto the bed and settle in as well. Ready for a random, hopefully not horror film, Charlie asks? Absolutely. When the film begins, the screen is black. There's a faint music, but there's no opening credits. 
The screen cuts to blurry footage that's clearly recorded on a handheld camera. Is this one of Mark's home movies, you ask? Charlie laughs, then reaches for the remote. Oh, wow, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, that looks familiar, you say, pointing at the TV. Charlie hesitates. On screen, you see a wall of tall forest trees. Leaves and pine needles crunch under the feet of whoever's filming. The camera pans across the landscape, creating a blur of greens and browns. Suddenly, you spot Mark's cabin, standing alone in its little clearing. A dull red sedan is parked out front. That's Julie's car, Charlie says. This must have been after their wedding. The camera's shaky. Wind rushes against the microphone, causing a brief flurry of horrid scraping from the speakers. There's movement near the red car. A woman, Julie, is taking bags from the trunk. She's smiling. Yeah, Charlie says. This is at least five, six years ago. Julie turns as the cabin door opens. Mark steps out, walks over, and takes one of the bags from her. They smile and exchange unheard words. You sit up bolt upright. What the hell? What's wrong? It's only Mark. Yeah, but who's filming? Charlie stammers and blinks. On the screen, Mark and Julie go inside and close the door behind them. The camera zooms in toward the window. The picture is a grainy blur of colors. You see movement in the cabin. The camera zooms even closer still. Then, a harsh wind picks up and howls through the speakers. The image smashes to a slurry of loud static. White noise booms out into the room. The sound drills into your skull. You feel like it's going to make your head explode. Would you be so kind as to give me a sanity roll, please? I'd love to give you a sanity roll. A success! A hard success! My first one of the day. How exciting. Excellent. So you won't lose any sanity for that. Uh, and it allows you to make the choice. Uh, do you want to try to just tough it out or s scramble for the dial? Uh, I think Alex will dive out of bed, braving the cold, and rush over to the TV and say, um, well, if you weren't enjoying the static in the car, I'm guessing you're having a bit of a shit time now. Uh, and we start dialing it down. I, you switch the dial and it kills the TV. Charlie's sitting on the bed with their hands clamped over their ears like a dope. Sorry, it's only a remote for the VCR. There's no volume control on it. The hell was that, you ask, as you step away and then slump back onto the bed. Charlie shrugs. I don't know. Mark and Julie came out here with someone else? Charlie laughs. I don't really want to think about what my brother and his wife might get up to when they're out here. You roll your eyes. That was creepy. It was like a peeping Tom. Well, we know it's not. Charlie gestures to the TV cabinet. Because why else would Mark and Julie have the tape? How are you feeling about Charlie right now? Are you frustrated? Are you calm? What's the vibe you have? How it's What's Alex thinking? I think Alex is calm. I think Alex is suspicious. And, um, yeah, would, would respond with, with something along the lines of, um, yeah, yeah, good, good point. Um, but would be thinking, what if someone else has been in the cabin since and put that tape in the VCR and we'll try and conceal the concern from Charlie so he doesn't freak out as well. Awesome. Uh, you still want to watch a movie, Charlie asks? Sure, whatever is fine. One of those schlocky flicks, you say. Charlie gets up. My pick? Your pick. Charlie smiles, looks over at the tapes in the cabinet. Oh, this is a good one. You lean forward, look at a tape that has a guy wearing a pumpkin on his head on the cover. I think you'll even like it, babe. Somehow, I doubt it, you smile. No, seriously, Charlie says, and slips the tape from the case. It's about this guy who's a writer, and he drives up to this secluded town in Maine, right? Charlie hits Jack in the VCR. And anyway, when he... The TV set blares to life. It bellows static through the cabin again. Thunderous scraping and coughing bounces off the walls. You thrash and cover your ears. Charlie swears, but you can hardly hear it. The noise builds to a frenetic peak. It's almost unbearable. Then, just as quick as it began, the noise stops, and the TV falls silent. The lights in the cabin go dead. The power is out. Charlie, you ask the darkness... Yeah. What was that? Power's out, I think. You hear scrambling in the darkness as Charlie shuffles along the floor, one hand touching the wall. They flick the light switch several times. I thought this place was on solar power. I guess solar power still runs out. Is there a backup or anything? I don't know. I, I guess I'll have to head back into town and call Mark in the morning. Oh, that's just great. 
You pull your legs to your chest. Whatever. You're not used to this level of dark. The city doesn't get dark like this. You raise your hand in front of your face, and you can't even see its outline. You can feel the anxiety rising in your chest. Uh, do you want to go to Trolley for support, or try to tough it out on your own? Um, I think Alex is still, like, worried about the possibility that someone else has been in the cabin. Mm -hmm. Um... But we'll uh, we'll go to Charlie and we'll say, um, Charlie, I'm I'm gonna be honest, I'm, I'm I'm freaking out a little bit. The bed frame creaks as Charlie crawls onto it, and the silence following the outburst from the TV, even the slightest sound rings definitely loud. You feel Charlie cuddle up close to you. I'm sorry, Charlie says. Don't be. It must be an old shoddy set. I think Mark has had it since the '80s. We'll figure out how to fix it tomorrow. You murmur softly in agreement. Charlie wraps an arm around you. You feel their breathing on the back of your neck. It slows quickly and soon fades into the gentle rumble of sleep. The sound is steady and calming. Before long, you drift off too. The only sound that disturbs you is the faint creaking of pines echoing softly through the black hills. When you wake in the morning, you're alone. You stir in the bed and sit up. Babe? There's no answer. The only sound is the wind outside, carrying with it a gentle morning bird song. You get up and cross to the kitchen. There's a note taped to the chunky refrigerator, written in familiar handwriting. Sorry again. Just wanted this weekend to be special. Gone to town to get help fixing power. Back ASAP. Love you. You set the note down. It looks like you have a few hours to yourself. Do you want to get some breakfast in you, or do you want to go for a walk and kind of explore the area? Uh, I think... Alex was freaking out the night before and is is still like not entirely comfortable with this place. So I think we'll uh, stay in and get some breakfast. We'll sort of look at the notes uh, and mutter like, fuck's sake, Charlie. Yeah, because you also have no car. Uh-huh. <laughs> Literally, he just stuck it. Yep. You scrounge up some bacon and eggs. The spit and splutter of cooking fat fills the kitchen. The leaden quiet out here is unsettling. More than once, you make to turn on the radio and then remember it won't work because the power is still out. You poke at the eggs idly with a spatula and slowly run your eyes across the room. They land on the dormant television set, and your heartbeat quickens. You frown. It's embarrassing how much that stupid videotape affected you. You roll your eyes and turn off the gas. You eat your hearty breakfast in silence. Once you're done and have washed the dishes, you realize you've got nothing else to do, so to decide to go for a walk. So again, you can go for the walk, or you can try to wait some more for Charlie to return. I think Alex will wait a little bit longer, but will then get like frustrated both with waiting for Charlie and also with himself for for being so uh, shaken by uh, by the, a, a, what is essentially just a faulty VHS. And um, we'll be like, all right, Alex, you're going to pull yourself together. You're going to put your shoes on. You're going to go out. And you're going to prove to yourself that it's fucking fine. It's just a cabin in the woods. We were here with your boyfriend who you love and who you're going to make it fucking work with. And you're going to enjoy the forest a bit. It's going to be fine. It's going to be good. It's going to be fine. And will continue to sort of, like, mutter reassurances to himself. Now, when I say fantastic here, I mean that's fantastic character portrayal. I know we've all hated having to be that person, um, but fantastic. <laughs> you loiter in front of the cabin for a few more minutes. Um, basically, you know, as you said, muttering to yourself, doing your best for the pacing not to feel frantic. You check your watch, but there's no sign of, of your partner. Just the sun getting higher in the sky and the world outside warming in its rays. You sit for a moment on a little plastic chair by a pile of chopped firewood. Would you be so kind as to make me a spot hidden roll? I would love to. That's a failure. You're, as you said, you're, you're trying to reassure yourself, trying not to feel like you've been abandoned in the middle of nowhere, and the unfortunate reality is you're just too distracted to focus. You keep glancing down the drive, but it remains empty. 
Eventually, the boredom gets too much, and you decide to go for a walk on your own. You take a deep breath of the fresh air and head down a nearby walking trail. It's been worn smooth by the hiking shoes of innumerable vacationing families. The forest grows thicker around you as you walk. Unseen critters skitter in the nearby underbrush. Birds move overhead, calling out and shaking pine needles to the forest floor. On the left, you hear running water. Stick to the trail or investigate the, the running water. I like rivers and streams and things. Let's go check out the running water. You step off the trail and stride through the forest towards the sound of the running water. The ground is uneven, so you steady yourself on the trunks of the nearby pines as you go. You walk for a little while until the sound of the water gets louder. You crest a small ridge and discover a bubbling stream just on the other side. The water is rushing downhill fast, headed south. It's clear and fresh. The trickling sound is melodic. You can drink from it, or you can take a sit for a little bit and enjoy the nice moment. I think Alex, um, being someone who works quite a corporate job, is going to take this opportunity to kind of reconnect with uh, with nature a little bit. And it's going to have a sit uh, by the by the water and just kind of reflect on things. It takes a little bit of focus to carefully walk down to the riverbank, picking your way across the stones and loose leaves and the like. You can see pine needles and little twigs and stuff washed downstream in a tiny rendition of white water rafting. You stay yourself against a tree and sit down on the riverbank, lean back, and close your eyes. A breeze brushes across your face and hair. You admire the way the sunlight paints the inside of your eyelids red and yellow. Make a listen roll. Sure. Listen up. And slightly less shit at this. <laughs> slightly less. Extreme success! Let's go. I listen like a goddamn creature that has really good hearing. Look, I, I know animals are coming into my brain right now. Mouse. Mice have good hearing, probably. I don't know. I listen like a mouse. Let's go with that. That works for me. You hear a twig snap. You stiffen and, despite yourself, stand up eyes opening. A deer emerges from the tree line. It steps slowly towards the stream, then spots you and stares. So it's supposed to be across the stream from you. Yeah. Alex says to the deer, I'm going to be honest. I thought you were my boyfriend and I was prepared to kill you uh, for sneaking up on me. As it is, I'll let you know. After that, you hear nothing but the water running between you and the deer. It's the only sound. It's the only thing that moves. You're both completely still, watching each other. And then you notice one of the deer's eyes is swollen with pus and blood. Would you be so kind as to make a natural world roll? Sure. I think as I do that, Alex will say, um, having said, I'd let you live. It does look like you might not be that long for this world after all. That is a failure, but it's only a failure by four. So I'm going to spend four of my luck points, taking me down to 46, uh, to make it a success. If that's okay. Of course. Am I going to say no to player spending luck? <laughs> I am going to send you a quick art. Oh, amazing. Because there is an art that I was able to grab. How exciting. Yeah. You've watched enough nature documentaries to know that whatever's infecting the deer's eye isn't common. It doesn't look like any of the frightening diseases, prions, or parasites you've seen on the TV. You take a step toward the deer, palms raised, trying to look non-threatening. As soon as you move, the deer turns and bolts. It vanishes into the colors of the forest within seconds. You're left alone by the stream. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't really know what I was going to do if it, if it did let me go over to it, so... Uh... Probably best that it bugs You wait for a moment and decide to head back to the trail. You push forward, heading further down the black hills and deeper into the forest. It's a pleasant hike. Sunlight filters through the pine branches and casts up dancing shadows all about you in the cool morning air. After a half hour or so, you feel nature calling and step behind a tree to pee. You're fumbling with your clothes when you spot something. Ahead, off the trail and nestled in a narrow valley, is a dilapidated wooden shed. Will you investigate the shed? Sure, yeah. I think Alex will say, uh, that's weird. Didn't think anyone else lived up here. Uh, and we'll start to move forwards to kind of 
poke around a little. Yeah, so there's no trail leading directly to the shed. So you step through into the small clearing where the shed leans lopsided against a rocky, moss-ridden mountain wall. It's not large. It's maybe half the size of Mark and Julie's cabin, and it's made entirely of wood. A rotting piece of pine serves as a makeshift door that's only just hanging from the frame. The place looks like nobody's been here in years. You step closer to the shed and put your hand against the door. It swings in slowly and easily. The shed is dark inside. You see the faint shadowy blotches of furniture hidden in the gloom. Do you want to investigate further? Sure, let's go for it. The only light in the shed comes from the open door and a few cracks in the uneven weatherboard walls. I haven't heard weatherboard before. Hmm. There's no windows. It's like this place was designed to be gloomy. You see a small workbench, a wall-mounted cupboard, and a stack of cardboard boxes. The rest of the furniture is mildewy and unremarkable. The floorboards creak beneath as you walk across the room. Um, you can leave. You can go through the boxes, look at the bench, go to the cupboard. It's kind of a, a room you can look around quite a bit more. Uh, I'm going to channel my inner Brad Pitt and find out what's in the box. Says. <sighs> Oh no, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's severed head! <laughs> no, it's not. Spoilers for everyone who uh, hasn't seen Seven. <laughs> I think that movie's been out long enough. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think it's been out long enough. What a weird cast movie. Especially in retrospect. Mm. <laughs> the boxes are wet and caked with mildew. You open the flaps in the topmost box. The cloying smell of rot hits your nostrils as soon as you touch it. Inside is a pile of black clothing. You pull the first article out, and the smell just gets worse. The clothing is all long and hooded, and each is about the size of a bedsheet. This looks like something someone would wear in one of Mark's stupid slasher films. Do you want to keep going through boxes, or go back to other parts of the room? I will stop looking through the box. Uh, at that point and move over to remember what the other options were sorry um the other options were to leave to go to the cupboard or to go to the bench i will note and this is just more of something that's that is a, a nature of the beast of this kind of adventure it is to look through a different box is the other option here yeah okay um I think Alex will just assume that cardboard boxes will contain the same things and will go and have a look through the cupboard, if that's still something I can do. It is. All right. Give me just a second. The cupboard hangs precariously from a dilapidated wall. It is a stressful forward tilt as it's gripped by gravity. You can see there's only a few rusted nails still securing it in place. With care, you open the doors. Within are two little shelves, both lined with videotapes. They're home tapes, like the ones Mark had, with white stickers in the front marked by black sharpie. The tapes are all caked with moss and spider webs. Would you be so kind as to make a spot hidden? I'd love to. That's a hefty failure at 68 over 35. I will remind you, you can try to push rolls. Hmm. And this one does have a thing for bad if you do push it. I mean, that's perfect. I would love to push it. I will I will actively like poke around amongst the videotapes to see if I can uncover anything interesting. Excellent. That is an even worse failure than the first one. 95 over 35. I don't think it's a fumble, but I think it's very close. There is no, f I have not yet seen a fumble option in this. So we okay. might be okay. Good to know. <laughs> we'll see. You stand at the open cupboard door for a few minutes, staring at the tapes inside. They all have weird names scrawled in the same handwriting. You note a few. The sun with the trees. Hoping it erupts. The way she moves in the night. And the cry of the children. You're tilting your head, considering them, and trying to read them because they're all the writing's all sideways when you hear a noise. It's the unmistakable sound of a car engine. The sound bounces off the mountain face, dancing in the echo of the forest. Charlie's returning, at last, and with them, 
the power might very well be coming on. Unable to help yourself, you abandon your investigation, dash out of the shed, and run back up the forest trail. You're out of breath when you arrive back at the cabin. The sun is high in the sky. It's late morning and soon to be afternoon. You're panting, legs thrumming, warm from the run back up the trail. All throughout your jog back, the sound of an approaching car echoed in your ears. It is replaced now by your heaving breaths. You lean forward and rest your weight on your knees. Seconds drag by. You can't hear the car anymore. Did you imagine it? There's no sign of any change. Still no sign of Charling. You're still without power. Disappointment and a tiny bit of fear washes over you. After a few minutes, you shake your head clear and head inside. Inside your cabin, everything's lit well by the morning glow. You change out your walking clothes and leave them on the bed and head into the bathroom to shower. Got a thing that triggered... You just lose one sanity right now. It's just a thing that happens. I mean, that tracks, honestly. I, I respect it. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, there's no sanity roll. Yeah. No, that's that's very fair. I feel like this is an extremely stressful situation. Gosh. I, honestly, I... be a fun behind. Oh, yeah. Beyond the Madness is going to be incredible. Um... <laughs> Finish your thought there, though. I'm, I'm honestly shocked that I'm taking a shower right now. <laughs> this is... Um, yeah, like getting getting undressed and and in water would would not be the play that the actual life Seb would be making at this stage. But uh, you know, what, Alex, live your life for as long as you get to keep hold of it. Having grown up not far from South Dakota, sometimes yeah, you make weird choices because you're like, well, I'm stuck. I might as well do this thing. But I don't know if I'd be showering either. <laughs> you close uh -huh. the door behind you and turn on the shower faucet. Water cascades into the waiting tub below, filling the room with a constant loud drizzle that is reminiscent of white noise. The pressure's lousy without power to the pump, but gravity does most of the work. Thank God the water heater is gas-powered. You pause, remembering that the bathroom door doesn't keep itself shut. You push it closed harder and put the latch on to secure it in place. You step into the shower and wash the morning hike away. Quick shower or long shower? Uh, I think quick shower. I think uh, Alex retains some semblance of sense and is aware of the fact that this is a sketchy situation, which uh, he does not want to be naked in for any longer than is necessary. Very fair. Soon after you get out of the shower and dry off, you step back into the cabin and decide to get dressed. I've never seen a choice like this before, but I love it. Do you want to put on jeans and a t-shirt or warm, soft track pants and a sweater? Oh my god. Um, well, the weather's quite cold, right? So I'm going to go... It was freezing last night. Yeah. It is, like, winter. Mm -hmm. um, and winter in South Dakota is not fun. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it has really said if it is, like, especially cold for the season uh -huh. on this day. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm going to... I the actual real life Seb would be like well I want to wear jeans and a sweater but that's not an option that was presented to me so I'll, I'll go for the uh, I'll go for the warm soft uh, track pants and the sweater yeah I think they're very much going for vibe because I think you're supposed to have had a jacket that we're assuming you've been putting on and taking off and stuff oh sure okay in that case vibe wise we're going we're going jeans and t-shirt we're going for the like James Dean look let's go we're going jeans and t-shirt yeah yeah Okay, I gotta change this. It's why I, 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 you know, I don't know if this is the case, but it might be like, you know, what are you wearing when your partner gets back? Eyebrow pump. Yeah, for sure. Freshly dressed, you feel renewed. Now you have the question of what are you gonna do now? What are you gonna do with your afternoon while you wait for Charlie? There's still no power, and you don't have no idea if they're coming back with a solution or not. So. The options they suggest are try to make some food, search for flashlights and batteries so you hopefully have something when it gets dark again, or decide you're an electrician and go try to fix the power. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I feel like Alex is uh, not as smart as Charlie, but isn't an idiot. 
um, and is therefore going to uh, not uh, suddenly assume that he has a degree in uh, electrical engineering and will instead um, search for flashlight and batteries. You know there was a heavy-duty flashlight that was in the car, but the two of you forgot to bring it in last night, so it's gone now. So the question becomes, what do you have here in the cabin? Hmm. If Charlie doesn't make it back for some reason, when the sun goes down, you'll be alone in the pitch dark. Make a spot hidden roll, please. Sure. That is my first success in a spot hidden this entire game. I'm so hyped. Hype, hype, hype! In the cupboard beneath the sink, you find a little plastic container with a mini flashlight in it. You switch it on. It works, but the beam is weak. The batteries are probably dying. You look for spares in the pantry, the bathroom, and in the bedside tables. Eventually, you think again about that TV cabinet. You cross the cabin to the television and perch your knees in perch on your knees in front of it. You open the cabinet and scan over the videotapes. You move some of them aside to look deeper into the cabinet. In the dark, right at the back, you find a blister pack of batteries. They must be kept here for the remote control, but they fit the flashlight. Jackpot. You swap the batteries out, and the beam becomes much charger. Alex gives himself a high five for his ingenuity. Nice. Are you feeling bored, or do you want to go try to cook some food? Uh, que uno los dos, no? I mean, why not, why not both? Uh, I think... Uh... <laughs> Please, I have I a think... script. You must choose an option. <laughs> I think Alex would try and make some food. I think being being fueled up it seems seems sensible at this point. It seems like Charlie isn't coming back anytime soon, uh, and uh, you know maybe maybe by cooking food uh, we can make sure that there's stuff available for when he gets back. And then if he's hungry from his journey uh, in search of an electrician, then uh, he can he can eat when he gets back. You head to the kitchenette, and you're glad the fridge and stove are powered by gas. You cook a meal but then have to eat it alone at the little dining table. Are you going to do your best to enjoy the meal, or are you just going to, you know, kind of have to deal with it? Uh, good question. Can I can I make, like, a, a self-psychology role to see if uh, Alex is able to, like, talk himself into being positive right now? 100%. I fully encourage this. Great. Okay, let's go. Let's do it. That is a success. So I'm going to say um, Alex uh, gives himself some sort of positive self-talk and says, uh, all right, look, Charlie's going to be back at some point. So for now, let's just make the most of being in a nice place with some some potentially good food, if we can figure out how to make this good with relatively limited resources. And maybe there's some incredibly creepy person with slasher costumes and some creepy home videos also living shockingly close by. But let's put that out of our mind. Let's just try and have as good of a time as we possibly can while we're here. This is fantastic, in part because of what the writing is for this bit. You make the meal, and it is delicious, truly. Briefly, you were convinced you were a Michelin star chef. Outstanding. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's a delight. <laughs> Let's say it. You can't think of anything else to do while in the cabin, and restlessness is starting to creep in. For a while, you lie on the sofa and beat, read an old beat-up paperback from a shelf in the corner. You think it's pretty good, but a little flowery and overwritten. Not to mention how grating prose written in the second person can be. I'm going to have you make a listen roll. Sure. I love that there's a line about how grating uh, prose in the second person. So... I know! I was like, oh, someone was being very self-aware. <laughs> Hard success. That is a 14 over, uh, under 50. You hear footsteps outside. They crunch in the gravel driveway. You sit up, but you didn't hear a car approach. You stand nervously and creep across the window. A balding middle-aged man is standing just outside the front door. He's dressed in a thick winter coat and has his hand in his pockets. You do not recognize him. He lifts his cabin... He lifts his cabin to the hand door. He lifts his hand to the cabin door and knocks. Are you going to try to pretend you're not here, or are you going to answer the door? 
I think Alex is just going to go and answer the door. Just go over and, uh, yeah. Hi, um, can I help you? The stranger looks you up and down. His face is devoid of any expression. Hello, he says. He isn't smiling. He looks past your shoulder into the cabin. Is Julie home? Uh, no, sorry. Julie's not here at the moment. Um, can I take a message? Are you sure she's not here? Very sure, you say. I can take a message. What about Mark, he asks. Is Mark here? I could speak to Mark. Have you seen Mark? No, sorry. Mark's not here either. Oh. Again. I can take a message if you want. He looks down, then looks back up and stares at you. Several seconds pass. Where are they? He asks. <laughs> What's your name? I'll tell him you stop by, you say. He just keeps staring. Right. Well, um, this is lovely and all, but it sounds like I maybe can't help you. He just keeps staring at you. I mean, do you want to come in? I'll make you some... Well, I can't make you tea because the electricity's not working. But uh, I don't suppose you're an electrician, are you? That would be very convenient if you were. He just keeps staring at you. Okay. Not, not very talkative and not an electrician. The suggestions here are you can ask him to leave or shut the door on him. Right. Well, um... Well, look, look I'd, it sounds like I can't really help you, and I take it you don't want to come inside, so um, if you've got somewhere else you need to be, not that I'm asking you to leave or anything, but I'm, I'm sort of asking you to leave because this is a bit weird. Why, he says. After a moment, you go, because this is private property? He stares at you for a while without responding. He doesn't move, and he's silent for an uncomfortably long time. Just go, you say. I don't want to have to call the police. You got a phone in there? He asks. You stay silent. You know that you don't. Do you want to try to intimidate him? Do you want to try to persuade him? Or do you just want to close the door? <laughs> uh, I think Alex will say, um, Look, clearly there's nothing I can do for you. Uh, it doesn't sound like there's anything you can do for me other than making my day even weirder and more uncomfortable than it already has been. So um, I, I think it's probably best for everyone if you, if you just go, if, if that's okay. Uh, and I will try and roll uh, Suede. Yeah. And that is a success. I scraped the success, 59 under 60, but technically it is still a success. As long as you get under. Exactly. In the immortal words of Vin Diesel as Dom Toretto, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. <laughs> and then later, it's about family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sir, you say it with a smile. But I got family. <laughs> so, sorry, please continue. Uh, uh, no, we're just going to do Fast and the Furious quotes from now on. Uh, no, uh, Sir, you say with a smile, I'm not trying to be aggressive. I've just been on a very long walk today, and I'm dead tired. I've a f I'm have afraid you've interrupted my nap. If there's nothing else I can do for you, do you mind if I just go back to sleep? I'll tell Mark and Julie that you were asking after them the next time we speak. The man blinks. He looks around for a moment, grunts, nods, and turns. Hands still in his pockets, he begins to walk away. He watches he go. He does not head down the driveway. Instead, he takes the trail that leads deeper into the forest. The same trail you went walking on earlier. Do you want to follow them? Or do you want to close the door and make sure that it's locked? I mean, it sounds like he's heading down towards where the shed is, which is very suspicious. But also, following him sounds like the sort of thing a crazy person would do. And I feel like Alex, as I've played him so far, is not a crazy person. So uh, Alex is going to go ahead and close the door and lock it and whisper, um, well, that guy was fucking weird. I swear to God, Charlie, if you are not back within the next half an hour, I am going to leave you outside and you can sleep in the car. As you work on checking the perimeter, it becomes clear to you, you need to make sure the cabin is safe and locked down. 
You check every lock you can find. You pull the door closed and lock it, sliding across the deadbolt make, to make doubly sure. You walk to the bathroom and check the window. You notice that it's, it's unlatched, so you latch it shut too. The other windows in the cabin don't even open, so there's just the one door in and one door out. It seems like you're safe. You find yourself whiling away the hours until next thing you know, it's dark. Clouds cover the sky and the moon is hidden. You lay on top of the bed, on top of the sheets and blanket for a while, listening to the wind shaking the branches of the pines all around you. Every few minutes you think you might hear your partner arriving back, but every time, you're wrong. When you walk around the cabin, you use your flashlight to guide the way. After a few hours, you make, you make yourself a sandwich and then eat it in the dark. While you chew, there's a knock on the door. It's a single knock. Suffocating silence follows it. Then ignore it or answer the door. I mean, Charlie's not going to knock just once. Like, that's a crazy thing to do. But also, I think it's just curious as to what's going on. He's going to get up and try and uh, try and stealthily figure out who's there. Or if it's just, like, the wind or whatever. I mean, well, that makes sense. That is not an option. <laughs> um, unfortunately, your answers are ignore or answer. Oh. Um, that is a spot where I'm with you, especially because we've previously established you can just look out the window and be sneaky. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that's not an option. Okay. In that case, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer the door. I'm gonna straight up walk over, open the door that I have just locked and secured, and, uh, reveal myself to whoever's outside. You set the sandwich aside and swallow. You walk to the door, the flashlight guiding your way. Hello, you ask, as you open the door. There's nothing but darkness. The flashlight spreads a cone of dim light out into the night. Wind and cold wash over you. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, everyone. I mean, everyone today is just Seb and myself. And we've been a delight. I don't know if we've been the best because I feel I feel weird about about such extreme sentiments. No, no, I, I think we I think we've deserved it. I think we've earned it. We've deserved it. Awesome. All right. I got bad news, everyone. We are the best. But there is one group better than us, and that is the listeners. You're all exceptional and the bestest, which, despite being bad grammar, is even better than the best. Your listens, comments, and ratings are incredibly helpful, but if you want to support us further and gain extra bonus content, consider us joining over on patreon.com slash right. We also invite you over to our Discord, where you can find an invite link to our Discord community, as well as all of our social media links on the website, starsareright.com. Now farewell, dear listeners, until the stars are right again.